You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Here we go. Y'all ready for this series? We're starting a new series today. Name changer equals game changer. I'm excited about it. What you need to know is this. Um, a name was more than a name in the Bible. It was more than a name. In our culture, we like the sound of names. So my, my son and daughter-in-law, Connor and Allie, named our granddaughter Charlotte because they liked the name Charlotte. I like the name Charlotte now. I'm, I was a hater before she was born. Um, I thought it sounded like an 1870s name. But it's like, it's Charlotte. That's just Charlotte. But, um, but anyway, a name was more than a name in Scripture. And over the next five weeks, I want us to go deeper. I want to go deeper, Catalyst. Y'all want to go deeper? I want to go deeper as we go over some of these names because they mean something, they matter. And so I want us to pray over this series because the Bible says deep calls to deep. Though Hebrew actually says cries out to deep and we want to go deeper. There's some things you deeply need from God and there's some things we need to live more desperately for God. Uh, Can we lift our hands right now online? I just want to pray over this, Lord, uh, the next five weeks and even beyond. I just pray that you would help us see the things that you want us to change and the things that we need to change. Help us want you enough to make the changes that we need to make and you want us to make. We want to grow from glory to glory for your glory, not for ours. We want to make better moves. Will you say that with me, Catalyst? Say better moves. Online, drop a comment, say better moves. Say it with authority, Catalyst. Say better moves. In Jesus' name, amen. Check this out before you're seated. Week one, here we go. You either got nothing to prove or everything to prove. The answer is for you to answer and the change is for you to make. And that's where we're going to start. As you're seated, tell somebody it's about to get real up in here. If you haven't shared the video, share the video, Catafam. The Apostle Paul, for those of you who are new to the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote at least 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Uh, He wrote about 30% of the word count. He is the OG of church planting. He is the OG of church planting. He planted churches when he converted to Christianity all around the known world at that time. In my estimation, I think in ministry as a human being, fully human, I would call the Apostle Paul the goat, man. Straight up the goat. He's the reason that across the world 2,000 years later, your non-Jewish selves are sitting here hearing about the love and goodness of Jesus. Before he was the goat, his name was Saul. Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus. And Saul was a very Jewish name because Paul was a Jew. Matter of fact, Paul was a self-described. He said, I was a Hebrew of a Hebrew because that man had an ego. We're going to see it in a minute. And uh, Saul was named for King Saul, who if you back up a lot of years in the Old Testament, King Saul was the, the first king of Israel. And King Saul, Old Testament King Saul, y'all hear me? I got Saul of Tarsus, King Saul. You go back to the Old Testament, his namesake, King Saul, was the first king in the Old Testament. King Saul. King Saul, the Bible says that he was the tallest man 
In the nation of Israel at that time, it's believed that he was about six, five to seven feet tall. That was long before the average center in the NBA was seven foot. King Saul was a tall glass of water for his time period. King Saul also had this major ego about him. He had this pride. He had this competitiveness. He had this comparative spirit. He compared himself. He competed against everybody. So yes, he was elite and he wanted to be elite and he had something to prove. And the fact that he had that type of pride would not only take his character and his integrity, it would take his throne and it would eventually take his life. And before... Before, um, excuse me, after he lost his throne in his life, King David would take his place because he tried to kill David out of jealousy because he couldn't be the man that David was. He was the warrior David was, but he was not the man David was. Fast forward back uh, to the New Testament. Saul of Tarsus was also elite. Uh, Saul of Tarsus was also elite. He was a Pharisee. Pharisee, the name Pharisee, y'all ready for some definitions? It's not on your outline. If you got your outline, let's take notes. Let's grow together. Name changer equals game changer, guys. The word Pharisee means, the word Pharisee means separated ones. There was only about 6,000 Pharisees at one given time in a time period. And Paul was one of those. It was a superior group who thought they were better than everybody. They had the strictest rules and you either followed them or feared them or both. They're the ones that put Jesus on the cross, by the way. He was a Pharisee. Paul says that I was a Hebrew of a Hebrew. It was either their way or no way. If y'all ain't following me, this is as 2022 as it gets because humans don't change. Instability is predictable in us. Paul's mindset or Saul's mindset was I got to be a lead. I got something to prove. And he would kill Christians and imprison Christians because he didn't see it their way and they didn't see it his way. So there was, a, there, was a, there, was a, there was an opportunity and he took it. The name Saul, excuse me, I want you to know this. This is 2022. You did the same stuff. Don't judge him. Don't judge him. When you got something to prove, you're just like King Saul and Saul and Saul of Tarsus. You'll ruin reputations. You'll slander businesses. You'll, you'll undermine your boss. You'll try to get promoted. You'll try to let every, you want everybody to see you. I see, uh, I see social media posts. Grown people do just like kids on the elementary school playground. When you got something to prove, you're constantly trying to do something. It's why you can't celebrate other people winning is because you want to be first. The Saul mindset is a me first mentality. It's a me first mentality. And don't judge anybody. Don't judge them until you look at your own life. The word Saul, the name Saul means this in Hebrew. It means prayed for, asked for, and some scholars interpret it begged for. Because Israel wanted a king in the Old Testament. They wanted a king. God wasn't enough to rule on their behalf, so they begged God for a king. Even though God didn't want to, didn't, that wasn't his will, he gave them. Because sometimes God will let you get what you want so you find out it's not what you need. It didn't end well for Saul or them. And it won't for you. Saul spent his life and died trying to prove something. However, Saul of Tarsus was knocked off his donkey by God at the road to Damascus. 
and it changed his life. And I'm going to tell you, God will knock you off yours too. And if you want to learn, tell somebody, I want to learn today. If you want to learn, you don't have to be King Saul and live your life miserably trying to prove something. You can be Saul of Tarsus because Saul of Tarsus, if you'll find it in Acts chapter 9, changed his life. He converted to Jesus and he became the goat. And you got to answer the question in your life. You either got nothing to prove or everything to prove. In Acts chapter 13, we find that Paul, Saul changed his name to Paul. Paul in the Greek means this. Humble. Tell me this in the opposite end of the spectrum of Saul. Humble, little, small. Not elite. Not about me anymore. Not about me proving to the people that doubted me wrong. Not about having a pissing contest with people that I'm trying to prove my point or they hurt me and I'm bitter and I'm burning bridges and burning relationships. Humble, little, small. Not a Pharisee, no longer a separated one, no longer the elite, no longer he converted. And Paul didn't just change his name, he changed his life, he changed his why. You can change clothes, you can change your address, you can change churches, you can change spouses, you can change friends, you can change the way you talk, you can change who you hang around, you can even change how you do it and what you do. But until you change your why, your life will not change. Paul's entire life, why you live will define your life. Your why will define your life. Your why will define how well you live. Your why will define how long you stay in the relationship. Because a 20, year, 20 years of it, it's not your fault you got abused in marriage, but it was your fault you stayed 20 years. I love you, but I have seen it. It's your fault that you stay in a job that they, they, they expect too much out of you and you lost your kid's childhood. You could have been putting in resumes the last decade. It's your why that's your problem. And your why will define your entire life. Your why is defining your entire life. Paul changed his why and it cost him everything, but he began to live. And he's the reason that I'm talking about him 2,000 years later. Tell somebody, say, change your why. Change your why. Change why you do what you do and what you do it for. Because you're about to see that we are backwards, all of us, in some areas of our life. Paul talked to the church at Philippi. This is one of the churches he planted, and he talks about his past. Check this out. Philippians chapter 3, he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. He's talking about the success. Well, we get on, we get on social media, and we like to tell everybody, this is what I've accomplished. Watch this though. He says, I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I did all the right things. I was the choir boy. I didn't rebel. I did what church told me to. I did what the pastor said to do. I went to seminary and got more degrees than my pastor. I was so zealous that 
a harshly persecuted the church, killed some people. He was responsible for killing Stephen, the first Christian martyr. That was Paul, Saul, excuse me. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. We always talk about I ain't perfect. According to Paul, he said he was as perfect as I. And there was like, what, 633 laws there? He said, I, did, I was perfect. I once thought these things were valuable. I once thought proving myself was valuable. I once thought doing all the right things, even though I was doing them for the wrong reasons, was valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I don't do it for myself. I got nothing to prove. Yes, everything else is worthless. This is what makes us level at the cross. This is what makes you, when you think you're better than somebody, you're going to cripple everything God wants to do in yourself because we're level because of this right here, what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. Everything I thought was right, fighting unnecessary battles, having unnecessary conversations and, and cherry-picking scripture to make my point worth making so that I can be ungodly and treat people like dookie because of my views. I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Saw to Paul, baby. It wasn't a name change. It was a heart change. It was a why change. And that Greek word garbage and that KJV, King Jimmy. I like King Jimmy better. I just don't like the rest of King Jimmy. Y'all would be like, what's he saying? King Jimmy says dung. And actually the Greek word is scubula, which is where the S-bomb in the English language derives from. You got a problem with it? Talk to Paul, not me. And you got to wait till you get to heaven to talk to him. But I know we're good church people, at least. You probably are till you get home or somebody cuts you off in traffic. <laughs> or till somebody doesn't play your kid in their next game. So at least let's just act. I don't like acting churchy, but I, I want to keep some of y'all. I don't want y'all to think I'm like all crazy. So let's just, instead of saying, instead of saying something with S, let's just go, say it with me, say, let me do the spit and you do the sure. And say, online, go ahead, type it in, say, Paul said, I got the PhDs. I did all the right things for the wrong reasons. Got the PhDs. I got all the respect. Got all the success. Got everything. Got to the mountaintop of what people try to get to in the arena of ministry. And it was. Amen. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. It was. Girls, I'm going to tell you, you get the perfect figure all you want to, but it ain't going to heal your heart. Skinny, whether you're some girl that you like some meat on your bones because you, you kind of want to be heavier and you want to be the perfect model, whatever size, and, or eating disorders from whatever. In, I, 
Get your perfect figure. You may look perfect on the outside, but you'll be hollow on the inside because it will not heal your heart. Men, I'm not playing with you either. Your daddies, you can get your daddy's attention and, 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 and approval and love that he's never given you and probably never will because he doesn't have it for himself. But even if he did hypothetically, it would not heal your heart. Say it with me right now. Nothing. We go around trying to prove something, but and we don't realize it leaves us with nothing. More money will not make you feel more successful. More degrees will not make you feel smarter. Trust me, I tried that. It doesn't work. Say it with me. Say, Saul Paul. You either live your life with something to prove or nothing to prove, but I'm telling you, your why has to change because you can't just decide to stop trying to prove yourself to everybody and everything and every person who hurts you and every person you want to prove yourself to and your employer trying to get the promotion. Listen to me, you can't make up your mind to change stuff like that. You got to change what's in your heart. You got to change your why and your why can't be Saul. It's got to be Paul. You got to quit trying to be so big. You got to be small. You got to be small. Paul says to the church at Galatia, Galatia, I'm going to pull from some of the things he said to churches. He says in uh, chapter 6, verse 3, he says, If anyone thinks of himself to be something when he is nothing, say that with me, he deceives himself. This is Saul to Paul right here. You're fooling yourself trying to post And portray this perfect family that you wish you had. This perfect marriage that you wish you had. You're fooling yourself. The worst person you're fooling in the people on social media world is you. (laughs) Trying Trying to act like you make more money and got more money than you do. You're fooling yourself, Paul said. You're fooling yourself. I'm the king of it, man. I, my whole life, you know, you grow up with like, you grow up with like Tourette's and every schism and ism that goes with it. Man, it took me years to realize I got nothing to prove to anybody. The people that like me, don't like me, don't like me anymore. I'm telling you, it's all And you're fooling yourself when you pretend to be something you're not. We live in a culture now and I preach about it because I believe there's a balance. Self-love. Everybody likes hashtag self-love. I'm taking care of myself. Listen to me. We've overcompensated as a culture. There is a fine line between self-love and selfish. You can call it self-respect. When you cross a line, it's self-centered. Everybody's trying to up everybody. Walk in, some, walk in somewhere. I, I, heard it with, I hear it with middle schoolers all the time since I got one. I bitch, I bitch 250, and adults do it, so I'm going to go with the adult weight because middle scorers don't bitch this much. 250 pounds, and the guy's like, oh, that's awesome. I bitch 375 three years ago. Ladies, I'm going to pick on you too because I've heard this a million times. I was in labor with my child, my little girl, 37 hours, and the next one, well, I was pushing 39 hours. Well, who gives a flip? That just means you hurt longer. Maybe you need to push a little faster. I make, I make, man, I make, you, you, you slide in there how much money you make a year and how much of a raise you got. You know why? You got something to prove. 
every accomplishment you put out there on social media all the time. All my family's out there, instead of taking two or three pictures at the beginning of the ball game, you take 80 million pictures of your beach trip. And I know when I look at it that you didn't have a beach trip, you just took pictures because you got something to prove. And it will destroy your life. You will miss out on living. You will miss out on what God's put right in front of you. Right in front of you. You lash out at criticism and you lash out at people who give it to you. Drives me crazy in this world, man. And I'm one of them. Like I have to, you know, because we all get these excuses. Well, I just try so hard. I beat myself up, you know. I do so much. And don't even come out with that manipulative stuff. You know all I've done for you. Welcome to being human. My name is human. But we do it. We lash out against the criticism and accountability. And we lash out at the people who give it. You know why? Because you got something to prove. And Paul's like, man, it, it was all garbage. If you think of yourself to be something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. You're fooling yourself. You give more than you take of the you give more than you take of the crap and bad stuff, and you take more than you give of the good stuff. And then when somebody at your job actually tells you, "I need you to work harder," oh, snapsticks! <laughs> let, let let somebody let you got to eat where you want to eat when you want to eat, or there's hell to pay. You know why? You got something to prove. You're fooling yourself, y'all. And if you're right now thinking about somebody that needs to hear this message, you just prove to yourself you need to hear it. And if you're angry at me right now saying, he's picking on me right now, this is a little bit too hard of a message, you need to hear this message. Raise your hand if you need to hear it right now. I'm talking to myself. If y'all knew, I spent, I had to go to the tech game. I spent 5.30 a.m. I'm usually done by Saturdays until we had to leave for the game at almost 11 working on this message because I was like, boo! <laughs> Paul continues in verse four. He says this. I love Paul. Man, I love Paul. By the way, Paul was passionate. He was, if, he, if you look at the verses, he was like a Peter, but with a PhD. I mean, you can look on some verses. He was not as godly as what I'm reading today. He just wanted it for the right reasons, and God honored it. Same was me and you. It's my highlight reel up here some Sundays. But I promise you it ain't going to be how I might be acting Sunday afternoon. Ask my family. Verse 4, he says this. Each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud for what he himself has done. Each person must be responsible for himself. I love track and field like I did it in high school. I sucked at it, but I loved it. Because track and field, to compete, you have to first beat your PR, your personal record. It's about beating yourself. And in life outside of football and competitive sports, you've got to live life that way. It's a terrible place to live comparing yourself against everybody else. And the reason you compare and you compete is because you got something to prove. The reason is that you put your value in how much money you make and how big your house is and how nice your car is is because you have something to prove. And you're looking at your neighbor instead of looking at what God is doing in your life. You're looking at your neighbor's bank account or your friend who tells you their bank account. They're probably lying because they got something to prove too. Can't even play golf. You ruin your your one off day of the week. You can't even enjoy golf because you got unrealistic expectations. You're supposed to suck at golf. 
You're 39 years old. The PGA Tour ain't calling. Give it up. And if you can't enjoy a round of golf that you suck at, go home and sit on the couch. Because you got something to prove you can't even enjoy something, enjoy something that's recreational. You know why? We got something to prove. Saul to Paul, it isn't a, you got to change your why. 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 Paul said, your, compare yourself to yourself. Look how far you've come. Why don't you look how far you've come instead of how far your neighbors come? Because then you actually get, and, and for all my people that you have fallen way far from where you should be and where you used to be, the Bible says, Jesus said this. He said, look how far you've fallen. Quit blaming everybody else and all the things that happened that were coincidental because at the end of the day, you've made some choices that have contributed even to the relationships that cost you so many years. And if you'll look in the mirror and be honest, it'll hurt, but it'll heal you. And when you can look in the mirror, when you have the strength to look in the mirror like that and compare yourself with you, that's when you have changed your why. And it's no longer my glory, it's his glory. You go from Saul to Paul, elite to goddess about you. It's a miserable place to live. And what I'm telling you about is something that is just as strong today as it was then. It looks different because we're 2,000 years later in culture. It's a problem. And you don't just change your name. You change your name. Paul didn't just change his name. He changed his why. And his name lined up with his why. In Philippians, okay, I'm about to. Can we go a little bit deeper? Y'all were like, Psh. For real, it's like heavy. I know y'all are staring at me. Here we go. And the book of Philippians is actually written. And I can, don't make fun of how I say it all you want to. It's how I say it. And I got the mic, so make fun of me outside of the church on social media. But I'm going to say Philippians. If I want to say, for what? I'm sorry. In the book of Philippians, Paul was in prison, okay? He was in prison for longer than he should have been because of church people. He actually says that in Philippians 1. He says, some preach sincerely. And others preach out of selfish ambition, adding to my affliction. The people that were keeping Paul locked up when he wrote the, the, the letter to the Philippian church, the church at Philippi, which he started, were the people that were supposed to be for him. Hang with me because I want you to know this. The damage and drain in your life almost always comes from your inner circle. You're sitting here scared of everything that can happen outside of you watching CNN and Fox, but most of the time the, the dysfunction in your life comes from within. Your table, your family. Oh, but man, they put, that blood is thicker than water. Well, you know, at some point it's not. Your little huddle. You get, and what we do in life, here's what we do. I'm giving you an illustration. Okay, we get in our huddle, our cliques, and churches do it too. You go into a church that's clickish, you'll, get, you'll run out of there quick. What they do, whatever your huddle looks like, friends, coworkers, church, family, blood family, people you're trying to prove yourself to, your loyalty to, what we do is we get in our huddle, this is an illustration, and we try to protect each other from shots that are being taken from the outside. And it's almost like hiding in a house scared of a tornado. The tornado never comes. The bleeding is coming from within. The wounds are coming from within. And you bleed to death and a tornado never comes and hits your house. It's the wounds from within. It's the relationships. It's the people at your table you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Same in the New Testament with Paul. Matter of fact, 
it was, if you want to read the New Testament and read history with the disciples, their greatest adversary was not the people trying to kill them. It was the people within the churches, specific churches, that were trying to squelch what God was doing. Want, to pr- want me to prove it to you? Go look in John, his epistles, where he says the word anti-Christ with a S, plural. Everybody's over here trying to write conspiracy theories. Every president since I've been alive has been accused of being the anti-Christ. But John's concern were the anti-Christ, the people within the church, the people within your family, the people within your job that are influencing you that you need to set boundaries with before you become one of them. Nothing has changed, Catalyst Church. There is nothing new under the sun. The enemy has no new tricks, just new faces and new cultures. And so Paul is in prison here in Philippians 1 because of people who blindsided him and betrayed him and people that were jealous of him because they benefited. If he's in prison, they draw bigger crowds. So they got to criticize Paul because if he's sitting in a jail cell, they get to get bigger crowds and be... Because they got something to prove, they get to be celebrated more. Right inside the church. And you want to know how Paul responds? Because his why, his why is bigger than his pride. It's bigger than his hurt. It's bigger than his bitterness. It's bitter, bigger than the wounds that he was bleeding in a jail cell because he was heartbroken. You want to hear Paul's response? Here it is. Philippians 1. He says this about them. He says, but that doesn't matter. What doesn't? What they did, what they're doing, what they're trying to not get you. They're trying to make it where you don't get the promotion. Paul said, that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine. We're out there on social media trying to tell everybody why their political views and social views and biblical views are wrong. He says, it does not matter. The message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. That man celebrated people that were against him winning. He celebrated them. You can't even celebrate people that are winning because you're jealous of them because you want what they want and you're mad because you didn't get it or you're mad because you think you know them better than God and you know why you should have what they have and not be in the place you are. You're bitter. Paul said, I rejoice. Hey, I can't preach in this jail cell, so at least somebody's preaching when I'm not. I don't like their intentions. I don't like their motives, but I celebrated that at least they're preaching. And I'll be in this jail cell for the glory of God if that's what it takes because Paul was small, humble, little, and that is far from where our mindsets are because we have a me first mentality. We want to tell our ex, our ex, our ex, our ex, our baby daddy, our baby mama, we want everybody to know what a ridiculously awful parent they are and how they don't pay anything and how we do everything because we have something to prove. And Paul said, shh, I rejoice. It ain't about me. I don't like some of the things you say. I'm going to be honest with you. I love you guys. I love you guys. I don't like some of the things, some of the things you put on social media. I'm like, I think you're wrong. And some of the things, honestly, I think when you're right, you're wrong in the way you said it. I've had to cut some things off sermons the last year because I know I said it wrong. I, I believe what I said, but I said it wrong and I got Connor to edit it. But you know what I don't do? I don't get on the top of Facebook mountain to try to tell everybody how wrong they are. 
And Paul didn't even do that with his letter. I was so happy. I was so proud of Connor and Tara. They told me Tara's our executive pastor. Connor's our associate pastor. So proud of them. Two weeks ago in a staff meeting, they told me this is what they do when guests come into Catalyst. They said they pray. Connor sits back there. Allie must not be feeling good. Allie and Charlotte's usually, or she's probably in the mother's room. Uh, sorry, because she actually does what? She, she, gets, she gets out of here when Charlotte's crying because she knows my ADD will kill me. Charlotte, uh, Connor's back there. Tara's back there. She told me, she said, they told me, they said, when guests come in, they typically pray something like this. Lord, if this is where they're supposed to be, let them find where they're fit and grow here. And if it's not, let them find where they're supposed to be. I ain't trying to grow a church of people. I'm trying to grow people. And I'm so thankful. So, so check this out. So this is, this is like makes me, this, it makes me proud. My daughter, uh, Sarah, baby girl, and Will, her fiance, when they, when they pray at night, they told me uh, recently that they pray for the people the most. They pray and bless the people that have hurt them. And wounded them the most. They blessed them. And they said the people that the wounds are the deepest with, that they pray and bless them the hardest. The most. Will told me, he said, one time we just did it like four times in a night for somebody that just hurt us. We think that's ridiculous. When Jesus actually, well, surely he didn't mean Jesus when he said, bless those who curse you and pray for your enemies. No, baby girl and Will are doing it and God will honor it because when you get to that place and it's not an easy place and you start blessing them, you start saying, God, I want you to grow them and have your way. I don't want my way in their life. I want yours. That's when you've gotten somewhere and you've changed your why and your life will change when your why changes. Man, I'm gonna tell y'all, I get hate texts being a lead pastor, it's just something that comes with the territory. You lead anything, a business, and it's doing something, you're going to get people that don't like you. They don't like what you say. They don't like what you do. And some of them just flat out hate you. And I get hate texts. And my response to every text is a simple, a some version of this. Every time, it is something like this. I hope you find a church that you love a pastor that you gravitate towards, a place that you can grow because I hope you never stop loving Jesus even if you don't like me. And if that's not catalyst, that's okay. And that is the culture of who we are. You won't stay long if you don't want to grow because I don't play. Like I'm going to be preaching about the things that we need to grow. You're not going to get some nuts and bolts light message. And This is not a free-for-all. Life is not a free-for-all. And I'm thankful that that's the culture we are. And if that's not the heart that you have, you need to change your why. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, I love this, man. I love Paul. I'm I'm not even, I'm just getting started on this series. He's challenged me so much. 1 Corinthians 10, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Oh, man, this is so countercultural. Don't give offense to the Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone and everything I do. I know there's some people like, you just contradicted yourself. No, I didn't watch this. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Here's the thing. I hear it all the time. I don't care what anybody thinks. And let me just tell you, if you say that enough, it's because you care more than anybody what everybody thinks. When you have to constantly preface every statement, I just don't care what anybody thinks. Paul cared what everybody thought but not for the same why. 
Because in Corinthians, uh, you, 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 go, you go back in Corinthians, he says, it's a small thing, I'll be judged of you. I don't even judge myself, the Lord judges me. He didn't care what they thought because he, because he wanted to prove himself. He cared about people. He, wanted, he cared about what they thought because he wanted them to experience the love of God on every level. You want to talk about countercultural? We walk around, I just don't care what anybody thinks. You walk out of my life, I'm going to have a pissing contest with you. I'm going to just tell you like it is. I'm going I'm to put you in the ground. I'm going to smear your face in it when I win. God don't honor that attitude. Paul said, I do care. I want people to see the love of Jesus. What if we lived like that? What if we responded to criticism and adversity like that? What if we spent our money like that, America? What if we did? Because here's the thing. When something bothers you so bad, especially with other people, and it bothers you for too long and too much, it's because you made it about you. Don't matter what it is. Don't matter how deeply somebody wounded you. When it's bothered you enough and for too long and it's time to cross over to the next season and you're still carrying it, you've made it about you. Back in the day at Walmart, I, you know, I worked 13 and a half years as a greeter at Walmart. I always know there's like somebody here that's going to be like a guest. It's like, that's where I know you from. 13 and a half years. I got pastors because I worked through Bible college seminary and then some. I got pastors that would come in, okay? And they would straight tell me, when are you going to put in your resume? When are you going to go out there? Because we need, we need preachers, not greeters in our world. Sometimes they'd make it preachy language. They'd say, we don't need people greeters. We need kingdom builders. And it bothered me, y'all. I was in my 20s. You know, when you're in your 20s, you, you want to do everything faster. You know, you got more ego. Some lessons you just got to be 40 to learn. And I'm not 40 yet, so I'm sure I hadn't learned a lot. hurt me man for a long time can I tell you how long it hurt me is because when our church when I started Catalyst and it grew bigger than the pastor's churches that told me that I used to feel good about it bet they wish they hadn't told me that mess now apparently I was faithful at Walmart y'all jokers been pastoring 30 people for 30 years leave me alone it was about me Paul said, I do everything for the glory of God, whether I eat or drink, it was about me. I'm going to tell you something else. When I started dating Angie, when I started dating Angie, there were rumblings from family members and close friends. What's up, Neil? I know you had, this man had to work and he showed up to get baptized. Y'all give him some. He got his kids, all this stuff, man. I'm really proud of you. We can't wait to celebrate you on the front row. I'll take that all day. That's the type of confidence we need. Come through everybody. I'm going to sit on the front row. The heck we're sitting in the back row. Where was I? Not AD, AD. No, yeah, yeah. Runs in the family, Bradford. Yeah, hey, thank you, baby. Oh, you didn't wave at me. I was supposed to put my phone up. Angie's been telling me that this big bulge in my pants looks terrible. And my kid's supposed to be in my back, but you didn't wave. You're supposed to sit back there. She finally gets a Sunday off. Hey, for real. She waved, and I didn't see her. Oh, now I'm in real trouble. I told her I always see her in the back waving at me. I lied. Sorry. 
We started dating Angie and I got all these, and we heard rumblings of people in the in family and within family and, and the close friends say things like, man, Ben's still working at Walmart. He's about to marry a girl with four kids. He don't even know what he wants to do with his life, man. When's he going to do something? When's he going to make a move? You know how hard that hits a man? I already didn't feel worthy of her because I've known, I knew her. Connor's about to be 27. He was in the fifth grade when I became his pastor. Garrett wasn't even born and it just hit me. I already felt, it bothered me. It bothered me too much because I made it about me. It bothered me for a long time because I made it about me. A few years into marriage, you know, we build catalysts. It just psh, explodes and I was like, yeah, bet they, bet they eat them words now, big boy. Big girl. It was about me. It was about me. Let me tell you where I'm at now. Number one, I've gotten to see firsthand how much influence I had greeting at that door for 13 and a half years. I had built every bit as much of an influence in that community standing in the door greeting with all my heart in some of the hardest seasons of my life at Walmart than I have here as much as here in five years. Paul said, whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. When it's not about you, you can be at Fitel, you can be at Tanner Medical Center, you can be teaching, you can be coaching, you can be a home mom, home dad, you can come in here and serve whatever you do. You know what you want to know what ministry is? This ain't this is just a small portion. Ministry is whatever your hands find to do, you do with all your might and you do it for the glory of God. I'm gonna tell you, Smokey, Tim Delaney, y'all see him hustling with that million dollar smile. I've seen that man running down a truck with 200 pounds on a pallet jack and that man still shows up. That's ministry. And I wish I'd have been able to look that person in the face over a decade ago or those people and say, man, I'm doing this for the glory of God just like you're preaching every Sunday. You know what I also do? People come in my house. Now we have, I'll just go ahead and throw the, the, the thing. We have a really big, nice house. We do. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. People come in, people come to meetings at our house, and the first thing a lot of people say, and if you hear this, you don't you, you don't have permission to say it anymore, I'm gonna call you out. They say this, they say, man, I mean literally it's like the same comment, man, I need to get into preaching. But you know what I say now? I mean, they love me, they know they can play, but it ain't true. You know what I usually say? I say something to the effect of man, now nah, you need to get into IT business. Because Russ. Angie's first husband that passed away, our kid's biological father, uh, did networking. Matter of fact, anybody that lives on Little New York Road, you can thank Russ Barnes for the amazing Wi-Fi that we have in the county, baby. Be jealous. (laughs) He did the IT for the networking at the home office from Whitesburg, Georgia. He had a very successful career and the blessings after his life, we've been able to invest so much in this church and I will tell them that and I will tell them that from a place of gratitude and I will also tell them if we were living off just my income, we'd be living in a double wide or very small house and you know what I say it with? I say it with confidence because my worth isn't in my paycheck. My worth is in my faithfulness and obedience to what God has called me to do. And the same is true for you. I had to get to the place in my life where I'm like, man, thank God for all this, my behind story, the things behind me and Angie. God has given us, trusted us to be stewards and we have done the best we can. My worth isn't in what my paycheck looks like at the end of the week. Neither is yours. And when you got something to prove, you do everything you do for the glory of God. It wasn't about Paul. See, it was about Saul. It wasn't about Paul. 
All my band and baptizees, will you go ahead and go ahead and prepare and get ready? Band, you can go ahead and come up. Baptizees, will you go ahead and get ready? Oh, by the way, yeah, we're baptizing more this week than last week, y'all. It's been amazing seeing what God's doing. In Ephesians, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians in a jail cell. Hang with me. Hang with me. I know that's a lot prettier than me, but hang with me. He wrote the book of Ephesians in a jail cell. And the Ephesian church that he planted was very, very, very worried about him. And Paul says, don't worry about me. Paul says, don't worry about me. He says, I can boldly and confidently come to the presence of the Lord right here in this jail cell. And there's this beautiful part that Paul writes. He says, for that reason, for the reason that God's presence is right here, right with me in the jail cell. He says, and he writes this. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. I could see him sitting on his knees as he wrote that as an example of what faith looks like in the worst season. The Apostle Paul said, man, his presence is right here. Y'all, y'all don't worry about me. God's got me. You keep growing. See, it wasn't about Paul. Paul, um, um, Paul in, um, in Acts, man, I love it in actually Philippians. He says, I have learned to be content in whatever season I'm in, whether well-fed or hungry, rich, or with nothing, with little. He said, I've learned to be content. This is a man who had everything, the mountaintop, but he decided it's no longer going to be about me. It's about his glory. And the most beautiful part is in Acts, when him and Silas were beaten and imprisoned, they were put in prison unlawfully and illegally, and they were beaten severely. And it says in Acts, it says around midnight, it says that they were praising God and singing hymns. He wasn't having a pissing contest with his colleagues trying to prove them wrong. He wasn't pissed off and picking fights on social media. He was praising God. He wasn't ranting, getting his two cents in to his spouse because you need to let your spouse know what they need to do and what they need to stop doing and you need to boss them around because you're their boss. No, he was praising God. He was worried about his own growth. You got marriage issues? Why don't you look in the mirror and focus on yourself and leave them alone for about six months to a year and let's see what God does in your life first. You first! He was praising God. Praising God. And that's why that group of people, the apostles, converted an entire, they converted the nation that killed Jesus and killed them to Jesus. Converted the nation that killed Jesus and them to Jesus because it wasn't about them. It wasn't about them. But we live in a world now, we got everything to prove. We made it about us. I want to close on this. You know, when you grow up and you want a certain number when you get on a team and you play sports, you just want a certain number. My Garrett always wanted his brother Jacob's number. Jacob, I hope if you, you ain't sitting here watching, I love you. From Dublin, Georgia. He wanted Jacob's number. 18. Brock always wanted number one. Brock was smaller than everybody else. And, and he was faster and he wanted number one. He liked the Nelly song, I Am Number One. And I know most of you are like, what song is that? I'm sorry. It's an amazing song. Edited for all my young people, please. 
what happens when you don't get the number? You know what the coach says? He says the same thing. He says, hey, number don't make the man. Man makes the number. This is something you probably didn't know. Paul's not a Christian name. Saul was a Jewish name. Paul was actually a Roman or Greek name. Pagan, right? Not Christian. Paul made it a Christian name. You may have a bad reputation. You may have a bad rap sheet and criminal record. You may have a bad family name. You may feel bad about yourself and you got none of those. (laughs) Apple don't fall too far from the tree. Until you discover Jesus and find out that it's not about you, it's about him. He will change your life. will tell you that Paul is considered by most scholars the most Christian name in our culture. Oh, look at all the famous people. I'll just name a few. Paul McCartney, Paul Revere in history, uh, uh, tall tales like Paul Bunyan. See, Paul, there's been eight popes named Paul. A name that would have played out 2,000 years ago is now the most Christian name that a person can have. Because Jesus redefined Paul's life and Paul redefined the name by changing his why. And I want to leave you with this. He told Timothy, he wrote 2 Timothy, it's believed about two to three days before he was beheaded in a jail cell. And Paul wasn't just beheaded, he was tortured and he died alone. But this is the piece he had. And he told Timothy, he had one last letter and he mentored a young pastor that was probably in his teenage years. Young people, you're never too young to make a difference and, and, and discover him. He told Timothy this. He said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as Time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I've finished this. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, Timothy, not just for me, Catholic Church, but for all who That is why we're here. That is who we're here for. You change your why, you change your life. Day by day, from glory to glory, for his glory, not yours. You got nothing to prove. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, and you're the one that has to figure that out, not everybody else. That's why we're here. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.